Hello, Bethel Church family. The session met on Tuesday night and developed a plan for resuming worship services next Sunday, June 7th. I've explained and outlined that plan in a letter that has been sent to you with our home worship materials this week. It is a lengthy letter and a detailed plan, and so I'm not going to rehash all of it on this video so that we can keep the focus on worship. But I strongly encourage you to read through the letter uh, and to learn more about our plan for resuming worship services for those who feel ready to come back to worship. Well, at this time, would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we praise you and we give thanks that you are a good God. That even in these very unusual times where there is suffering and sickness in the world and things have been turned upside down, we thank you because you remain the same. You, O oh God, have not changed, that you are not caught off guard by any of this, but you reign over all. And so, Lord, we thank you for slowing the spread of this virus around the world. We thank you especially for protecting us in our community that we have not been hit as hard as many other places by this virus. And so we thank you for that protection. And we pray, O oh God, that by your mighty and sovereign hand that you would continue to protect us as we prepare to gather for worship again. Protect us from contracting the virus. Protect us from spreading the virus, O oh God. May we be safe in you, O oh Lord. Keep your healing hand upon us and our community, our nation, and our world. We pray, O oh God, as we begin to consider returning to worship, that you would help us as a congregation to remain united. We know it is so difficult in our nation and around the world to be united on anything, particularly about a response to this virus. And so we pray, O oh God, that your Holy Spirit would be among us uniting us in Jesus Christ, that we would not look down on others who think differently and have different responses to how we should handle this virus, O oh God. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would keep us unified, knowing that we are brothers and sisters in the one body of Christ. We pray, O oh God, that for those who do return to worship or those in other churches who have already returned, that you would not let us be distracted by the many ways in which our services will be altered let us not be distracted, O oh God, but may we, when we gather for worship, focus on You. For that is why we come. We come to worship You, our Lord and Savior. We come to You, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because You have called us to worship You. Lord, we pray that You would be with us as things are reopening and we, we are worried May every answer to the anxious what-if questions we have be, you, O oh God, are in control. Not that we proceed with foolish, reckless faith, but that we have a deep and abiding trust in you that no matter what happens to us, we are yours and nothing can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. We pray, O oh God, that you would give wisdom to our leaders within the church, within our community, and in our nation, O oh God. We pray, O oh Lord, give them wisdom and discernment to lead and to serve the people. We pray that you would give peace to those who are fearful. And we pray, O oh God, that you would give humility to all. To not look down on others, but to humbly consider ourselves. 
Father, we pray that you would please be with the students, especially in McGuffey, as they have their last week of school this week. We pray, O oh God, that you would help them and their parents who are teaching them at home to endure. Be with the administrators and the teachers as well. Give them endurance and patience as they go through this last week of school. Lord, we pray that you would please be with all of those who are suffering, not just from this virus and the pandemic and the crisis that's going on, but from just the normal suffering and brokenness in this life. We pray for those who are sick that you would bring healing. We pray for the hurting that you would bring comfort. We pray for the downcast that you would bring hope, O oh God. We think of those who are mourning. We think of those who are feeling so worn thin that you would sustain them. Holy Spirit, in whatever trials and difficulties we are facing, we ask that you would assure us of our Father's love for us. A love that is not based on how good our circumstances are. A love that is not based on how well we have done obeying you, but a love that is based on Jesus Christ and how we are saved in Him how we are forgiven in His blood and how we are clothed in His righteousness. Assure us of our adoption in Christ and help us to feel that fatherly love and security, O Spirit. And so wherever we are and whenever we are watching this, we join together in praying the prayer that Jesus taught His disciples, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We are nearing the end of our study of the prophet Isaiah, and this week we are going to look at chapters 61 and 62, because those chapters go together as a picture of God's redeemed people. But they are very similar to chapter 60, which we looked at last week. Chapter 60 described how God's people will shine with the glory and righteousness of God, and how the nations will serve God's people, bringing the wealth to the Lord. Since we've spent the last few weeks covering these themes, I want us to focus, instead of on the whole two chapters, 61 and 62, on just the first three verses of chapter 61. And I want to do so for two reasons. First, they speak of the Holy Spirit, and this week is Pentecost, when we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit ten days after Jesus ascended into heaven. Second, these verses from Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3, are quoted by Jesus in our New Testament reading as specifically referring to his ministry as the Messiah. So if you would at home, would you open up your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. Hear the word of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. Amen. Let us pray. Merciful God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You, O Lord, that Technology throughout the ages has allowed the Word to go forth. That writing it down and spreading it among people, that it has gone forth. That it was not just the prophet speaking these words, but that these words were recorded. And that for generations they have been recorded and reproduced. And now they are widely printed and distributed. And even in our day today, they are preached through phones and technology and recording through the internet that we can listen to them. And so we thank You, O God. We do long to be in the presence of one another, but we thank You that You work even through these means of spreading the Word. And so use me today, O God, to proclaim Your Word. Holy Spirit, just as You inspired these words, speak through me and give us open hearts and minds to hear Your Word this day. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, what I want us to hear in Isaiah 61, in these first three verses, the big idea about the Holy Spirit on this Pentecost week is that the Holy Spirit indwells God's people to bring the good news of Jesus to a lost world. And we're going to look at, this, at these verses first at the original exile imagery that Isaiah is using before considering how these verses find their ultimate fulfillment in Jesus. And then lastly, thinking about the call for us to proclaim the good news as well. Well, the prophet Isaiah, as we've looked throughout our study, was writing to the people of Judah roughly around 700 B.C. He had announced that God would send his people into exile as a punishment for their sin. Though the exile wouldn't happen for a few generations after Isaiah, it would be the dominant experience for the generations who would later read his divinely inspired words. They needed to know that God would still save his people as he had done in the past, which is exactly what Isaiah explains here. You see, in Old Testament times, when God's people were in trouble and needed to be saved, the Lord would raise up a Savior who would deliver God's people from their trouble. When this happened, the Savior would often be described as being filled with the Spirit. We see this especially in the time of the judges, when Samson and Gideon and others were filled with the Spirit to deliver God's people from their enemies. We see this also in Saul and in our Old Testament reading about King David when they were anointed kings of Israel, that they were filled with the Spirit. And so here in Isaiah 61, the prophet describes this unnamed individual upon whom the Spirit of the Lord will rest. This individual would be especially equipped for the task of helping God's helpless people. And that help 
comes in the form of bringing good news to the poor. That was a rare commodity in those days. For a conquered people, what good news could there possibly be? You had been defeated by an enemy and likely had many friends or family killed in battle. And now you were an oppressed as a subservient people away from your homeland. What kind of good news can you give a person like that? What good could possibly undo or outweigh the bad that has happened to them? Well, Isaiah goes on to describe just how powerful this good news is. He says this good news will bind up the brokenhearted. This idea of binding up is a lot like bandaging a wound or wrapping a sore knee or elbow. And what is being bound up is not so much a joint or a muscle, but it is the heart. The Lord is bringing good news to those with broken hearts. To those who have suffered great emotional distress and pain. This binding up of the heart makes me think of how we've tried to explain to our boys about my dad's brain bleed. We explain to them that grandpa is not sick. He has a boo-boo in his brain. But we can't get in there to put a band-aid on it and make it better. But the good news of Isaiah 61 is that the boo-boo in our hearts can be bound up by the Lord. It can be bandaged and healed. Well, how is that? Because liberty is proclaimed to the captives and the prison is opened. Now, to many of us, the idea of prisons being opened would frighten us. But the ones in captivity are the very exiles of God's people. Those people who have been oppressed by the foreign power. And so, just as Israel was set free from slavery in Egypt, so now Isaiah announces freedom for the captive exiles. The servitude they have felt under their captors will be ended when the Spirit-filled Savior comes. And at that time, it will be like the year of the Lord's favor. For a people who have felt oppressed and forgotten, the Lord will bring good news. They will see the Lord's favor in their lives again and the Lord will bring vengeance on their enemies. Only when the enemies have been fully conquered and judged for their evil can God's people rest easy and be comforted. They know that their captors will never return for them because the Lord will avenge His people. And so the end result of this description of exile is that the mourning exiles will be changed. No longer will they be covered in the ashes of mourning, but now they will have a beautiful headdress and shine with the beauty and victory, praising the Lord who has saved them. They had longed for a change of circumstances, for an end to the mourning, and it will come when the Spirit of the Lord raises up a Savior. That God's people will no longer be exiled sinners, And way back in chapter 1, Isaiah described God's sinful people as withered, charred oak trees. And they were cut down for their sinful pride. But here, Isaiah says they will be planted by the Lord to bear the fruit of righteousness and bring glory to God. 
just as the previous chapters have shown the importance of God's sinful people to to be empowered to live as His holy people, so also here we see the Lord raising up His sinful people to display His righteousness. It is what the generations of exiles would have longed for. This kind of change of circumstance brought about by the Lord. But even though the exiles did return from captivity, life was still hard. That return from captivity happened around 538 B.C. Yet our New Testament reading makes us look at this passage in a new light. Early in His ministry, Jesus was in the synagogue of His hometown of Nazareth. And He stood up and He read the Scriptures and He taught them. And so he opened on this Sabbath day to Isaiah 61, to these opening verses. And he read them. And he rolled the scroll back up and he sat down. And everyone waited for him to explain the Scripture reading. And he did. He said, Today, this Scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Uh, what? Today? Isn't this about the exile, Jesus? Wasn't that like 500 years ago? How is this fulfilled right here and now? It is not simply that Jesus was announcing good news like a news anchor. He Himself is the good news for God's people. That is how this passage could be fulfilled in their hearing. The good news he announces is good news he can accomplish. As good as a return from exile was, it wasn't the good news and freedom that God's people truly needed. Physical captivity, economic poverty, and mourning over their suffering is not what God's people most needed to be saved from. Those enemies pointed to a deeper enemy, the one that had broken their hearts. The enemy of sin. That conquering enemy had taken God's people captive and is what, it is what Jesus came to free His people from. You see, sin has made us exiles from God. Like Adam and Eve in the garden, we are cast out from His presence, suffering the consequences for our sin. Our sin enslaves us, capturing our minds and hearts, leading us away from God. Our desires deceive us so that when we follow our heart, we only end up with a heart that is more broken and more in need of bandaging. We may try to make ourselves presentable, putting on a good face, even to ourselves when we look in the mirror. But deep down, we mourn over our sinful condition. We know our selfish character, our lack of goodness, our discontent with what God has given us. We may have much, but we can still feel poor. But Jesus tells the people of Nazareth He is the good news that those people need. Jesus is the good news is good news for the poor because they realize their need. 
He comes to those who know their sin and mourn their sinful condition. He comes to those who know they are held captive by their sin, unable to make themselves better in their own strength. He comes to those who have felt sin's cruel consequences and want vengeance against the enemy within them. He comes bringing God's favor, His grace, to those who do not deserve it because we have been exiled for our sin. And this good news is only possible because of Jesus Himself. He breaks us free from the power of sin through the Spirit changing our hearts to love the Lord instead of, to love, instead of loving our sin. And He binds up our heart, assuring us that we are forgiven and loved unconditionally by a gracious God. He heals the deepest pains of our soul, the feeling that we haven't done enough, the mourning we feel for our past sins. And He covers us. As verse 10 later says, He covers us with a robe of righteousness. He covers us with His very own perfect righteousness so that we are beautiful in the Father's eyes. Jesus brings this good news in Himself for us so that God will be glorified as we reflect His good work in us. And so this passage from Isaiah 61 speaks such good news to us as sinners who are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. But these words should also speak good news through us. For the same Spirit that was upon Jesus to bring good news is now upon us as well. For on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out upon all the believers. No longer is the Spirit confined to a select few who do the work of saving God's people. Now the Spirit indwells all believers so that we too can bring good news to others. There may not be many exiles in our community, but there are plenty of brokenhearted. There are people whom doctors cannot heal with medicine. Counselors cannot fully comfort with therapy. And humanitarian aid cannot fully satisfy. There are people mourning the lack of good news for them. People who feel imprisoned in their awful circumstances, trapped by an inability to change for the better, and frustrated by their inherent selfishness. They are so desperately in need of good news. And yet they are surrounded by bad news. They have heard forms of good news before, but it doesn't go deep enough to bind up their broken heart. Food for the hungry is good, but hunger persists. Housing for the homeless is good, but it doesn't always give us that feeling like we belong Healing for the sick is good, but our bodies still deteriorate. Optimism and inspiration are encouraging, but they can feel oh so hollow. And so for a world in darkness, God provides the light of good news. And He does so now through people like us. People called out of darkness and into His light, filled with the Holy Spirit, and sent into the world with good news. This good news is not something we accomplish. 
It is not a story of us, our success story of making ourselves better or finding the right path. The good news is not even our church family as much as we love each other. The good news is Jesus Himself. He is our message. He is our song. He is the one who can bind up the brokenhearted, for He alone brings good news to those in the deepest darkness of sin. And so all Christians are sent to bring good news. But you may not know what to say. How do I tell this person who is suffering there's good news in Jesus? How do I tell this person dying of cancer, feeling the effects of radiation, that there's good news in Jesus? How do I tell this person mourning the loss of a loved one There's good news in Jesus. How do I tell this person in poverty wondering where their next meal will come from that Jesus is good news? How do I tell this person who is estranged from their family that there's good news in Jesus? You can only tell them that Jesus is good news if Jesus is good news for you. Is Jesus good news for you? No matter what you're going through, is He good news? Have you heard that good news? Today, do you know that Jesus is good news for you? Do you know that He has broken the chains of sin in your life? Do you know that He binds up the broken hearts? Do you know that He tells you to stop mourning your sin as if there is no solution and to receive His forgiveness and put on His robe of righteousness? Do you know that our risen Savior has shut the prison of death and hell and brought us into the liberty of eternal life? Do you know that Jesus is good news for you? hope so. And so as the Spirit uses me today to proclaim good news to you, may the Spirit also use you to proclaim the good news of Jesus to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors, to your co-workers, because we are surrounded by people like us people who desperately need the good news of Jesus. Let us pray. Oh Lord, I come to You today and we ask that You would please help us to know the good news. Yes, we have believed it, perhaps. Yes, we have trusted in the good news. But Lord, may that good news bring us joy. Such joy and peace that no matter the suffering or circumstances we face, we know that Jesus is good news for us. And we pray, O Lord, that we would not be intimidated by the suffering of those around us who don't know Jesus. That we wouldn't think Jesus isn't enough for people. And that we would humbly yet boldly share the good news of Jesus. Of who He is and what He has done. And how that has totally 
changed everything for us. Lord, help us to be people of the good news and help us to know that the same Holy Spirit that was upon Jesus is upon us as well and within us. To help us to know and believe that good news and to share it. So may the good news go forth and would the broken hearts be bound up, would the prisoners be set free, and would the Lord have many plantings of oaks of righteousness that your people, that we, O oh God, would bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen.